Hey everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. Check this out. So I'm in my truck driving with my buddy, and we was heading up to the men's warehouse to fart in the suits, and he's listening to his phone, and I said, that sounds like Hermie Sadler. He said, it is Hermie Sadler. He's got a podcast called Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I said, Sadler and the Senator? He said, yeah, that's his good buddy, Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I said, well, what in the world? He didn't know this. I said, did you know that Hermie Sadler was voted one of the 50 best-looking drivers in NASCAR? He said, I did not know that. I said, because it ain't true. <laughs> you never know, though. He never takes off his helmet. But I know one thing. This show, Leaning Right, Turning Left, is good. So pull up a chair right there by your phone, get yourself a cold beer, and give a listen right here to this week's episode of Leaning Right, Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I'll tell you what, I bet Michael Waltrip's even listening. He's always wanted to do something like that. Oh, Sadler, got another one over on Waltrip. Get her done! I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. And I'm former NASCAR driver, former Spock... <laughs> Spocks? <laughs> former Fox Sports Analyst. <laughs> Spock's Forks Analyst? Yeah, that too. <laughs> and current... 17th Senatorial District candidate for the Republican nomination for the State Senate of Virginia. Hermie Sadler. Hermie Sadler. How you doing, Hermie? Leaning right and turning left with Sadler in the Senator. Man, how you doing, buddy? We're back. Yep. Uh, I'm doing great. We took a week off. I'm doing great. We've been so busy, we had to take a week off, but we're back. I was on my you, way you, back you from... You actually, from actually putting a lot of work in this high-powered legal career of yours. Uh, it does pay the bills uh, more so than this podcast does, and really more so than the pay in the Virginia State Senate. I don't know if you know this yet, and I've been trying not to tell you, but if you're elected <laughs> to the Virginia State Senate, you get paid a whopping $18,000. So yeah. uh, don't spend it in one place, but Which, you probably could. Doesn't matter to a hill of beans now, but which, if I happen to get elected mm -hmm. to the state senate of Virginia, I will be donating that money to a wor worthwhile uh, cause. Look at you. That I've got in mind already. Now you're showing me up. No, I'm not trying to. I haven't donated mine. Not trying to. I've been putting mine in retirement. Good for you. Yeah. Just kind of putting it away. Nothing wrong either way, but I've got to uh, talk to my wife about this the night that I announced. Because she had the same question. The people that don't know any better yeah. think that legislators just make money, you know, a like huge- Like they do in Washington, D.C. Yeah, a huge salary. Yes. And there are other, it's my understanding, um, monies that you receive to help with staffing and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But the actual pay, the $18,000 that you're referencing, um, we could find a nice use for that- uh, here in my part of Virginia. So that's really nice of you. Yeah. And you know, yeah, your, your staff usually gets paid enormously better than you do. Yeah. And the staff works, you know, every day. And so do you, but, um, but I don't think there's been a pay raise in the Senate or the house in probably 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And I think it's like, uh, it's like one of those rocks that's too hot to touch. And so if we voted ourselves a pay raise, you know, our opponents would come after us for it. I'll say this, um, of, of all the people that I know in and around the General Assembly, whether they be senators like yourself or uh, Senator McDougal and other, others that I'm closer with than others, people in the House of Representatives, mm -hmm. even people that work at the Capitol, clerks and otherwise, I don't know a single one of them 
that does that work for the money? You know, uh, believe it or not, there was a couple Democrats that that was their only job. And what you could do is you could take your 18000 and then you have what's called a, an office allowance. And if you take the office allowance and you spend it on the office, then you don't pay taxes on it. But they could take that office allowance and almost double their money, which puts them in the 30s. But there were there are some Democrats and Democrats out there, even in the western part of the state where we had rare Democrat sightings. Uh, where they were, that was their only job. And so they were taking that 30 some odd thousand dollars and that was their whole deal. Yeah, They didn't last very long. I think, you know, when you don't have another job, you don't have another perspective, you don't have an idea what everybody out there in the rest of the world and especially the area that you represent are doing, then I think, um, you know, that central focus of look at me, I'm a delegate or look at me, I'm a senator, overtakes you to the point where I think you lose focus and you really stop having the proper perspective when you represent your people uh, that they all work very hard and they all have jobs and they're all doing what they're doing. And you're no, you're no more special than they are just because you represent them in Richmond. So the biggest, the biggest gratification, I would think the people that are the best legislators by and large are the people that, uh, that feel obligated or want to serve regardless of the, you know, the financial right. uh, part of it. Well, you know, Hermie, I think about it this way. So you've got a full-time job. You've got all these small businesses you run and, and you employ so many people, brother. I'm just, I've got a small law firm. Yeah. Uh, but I do other things as well uh, and get involved, but it's a full-time job on top of your full-time job. If you're going to do it right. Now That's you right. can, you can treat it, you know, uh, half-assed, uh, and that's great, but you're not going to last long and you're not going to be very effective. And, and people pick up on that, but whether they're constituents, voters, lobbyists, people that work at the Capitol, fellow senators, House delegate members, we all know who the lightweights are and the guys that don't take it seriously and the guys that want to be there to be called senator or delegate. And it's two different varieties. And if you fall into that, you know, I'm just here for the beer category, then People are going to disregard you. If you quickly. mail it in, you'll be you'll be uh, called at pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I think that's that's in life. Yeah, you, you mentioned something of all the struggles of being in a campaign because my first time. That's a lot of things that I'm. And we are marking your journey here on uh, yeah. right and turning left with Saturday. The one the part that I have really and truly enjoyed is, and this is the one place where my work life intersects with running for office is going out and visiting and talking to people. Right. Because outside of the convenience store side, the, the part of our business that I enjoy the most or that I'm most heavily involved in is the delivery side to loggers, farmers, construction companies, residential home heat, and how do we get those customers? We get those customers by me going out and visiting those business owners, those loggers, those farmers, those construction job, the foreman, home heat. I go out and talk to these people. Like, for instance, a lot of people that I'm going to talk to, like this morning before you called, I was over in Branchville, Virginia. And that's an area where we have a lot of farmers and loggers. It's also an area where I need to do a lot of door knocking to energize Southampton County and the city of Franklin, that area, to come out and vote for me 
on June 20th. That is, if they hadn't already voted in early voting, which starts May 5th. Start? May 5th. <laughs> um, but now I can actually go to somebody's house or somebody's shop and talk about fuel, fuel pricing, supply, the long-term, what we think is going to go on with pricing with that, and about why I'm running for State Senate of Virginia. And I, I like to, when you called a little while ago, I started my way back here and back on Little Texas Road, uh, coming from Branchville back to Emporia, I drove by a logging operation that I was not familiar with. So I stopped on my way uh, back here and stopped and talked to the foreman on the logging job. They were a, a North Carolina-based company that are in Branchville doing some work here for about, about six to eight weeks. And I just struck up a conversation that I'm going to be selling him some fuel because of what I was doing on the political side. So that part of it, there are a lot of things about campaigning that I do not like. Um, like what? Like other people in politics not knowing at all how to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, well, you're going to find that's more prevalent than you think. Yeah. Well, it's getting worse every day. Mm -hmm. As we get closer to the election, it gets worse every day. I told somebody the other day. In January of 2022, Emily Brewer called me and asked me to endorse her for her. Emily Brewer is your opponent. My opponent. For the Republican nomination. Right. She called me back in January of 2022, told me she was going to run, asked me to endorse her. I told her that I'd already been approached and was considering running myself mm -hmm. and that I, I could not endorse her at that time. And I immediately went from somebody that she wanted to endorse her to this monster of a person that has done all these terrible things in life and that people should not vote for me. And these are just ball face lies. I mean, it's it has like a nothing character. to do with what her accomplishments have been in her six years in the general assembly. It's a character assassination campaign rather than a look at me. I've done really well for right. you. I'm your best bet to represent your interests in the state Senate. In the same way that I've done it in the House of Delegates. But is this that is, what you're saying? Yeah, and that part is, but the part that has been fun is going out and meeting new people. And I know you've done this in your earlier days when you first started going. Still do it. You sit When you sit down in somebody's living room and they look at you as somebody that, hey, I can trust this person to take the message of what my family needs and take it to Richmond and I can trust him to put my needs and what we need first. And he may be the voice that I don't have yeah. in Richmond. That is, that is a powerful, powerful thing. And I'm getting that a lot. I'm getting well, that a and, lot. And not only because you're doing a lot of the door knocking all yourself and you're meeting them. There's no face other way to, to do face. it. Bill, and, and really. That's exactly true. Really. And sometimes it's challenging in the rural areas yeah, sure. because you can't knock as many doors as you yeah. can in a, a neighborhood full of houses. Um, but they remember it and they're going to tell their friends, but you're going to remember it too. Yeah. And when they come to the Capitol or they have a concern, if you're their representative, then you've got that connection already. Um, a lot of times you'll meet thousands and thousands of people like you have in, in your NASCAR career and your, your broadcasting career. And sometimes you may not remember them offhand when they say, Hey, remember we met two or three years ago, but when they start talking to you, you go, Oh yeah. Okay. And then that connection stays. And it's, that's the way, a citizen legislator should live his or her life when they go represent the people that of their area in Richmond. And right. so, yeah, that's really important. I mean, those, those kind of personal contacts, you just can't 
replace them. And, you know, you were saying about the negativity that's going on. You and I had had a conversation about this as well. I mean, you're out there shaking hands and knocking on these doors. She is apparently not, I guess. But her people have may have beaten you to that door, and they're saying some awful things about you. Yeah, it's just, I mean, not even close to yeah, being true. And, and kind of feeding off, you know, in a prior podcast episode, we, we went over painstakingly the push pole that accused you yeah. of all sorts of things that were not true, and yeah. we, we refuted them. Uh, but they just keep coming. The hits keep coming, don't they? Yeah, I, I just I was just naive, and I just felt like, hey, I'm running against somebody that has six years political experience. Here's the choice for Virginians in the 17th district: if you want a politician that's got political experience, part of the establishment, then if political experience is your thing, yeah, then. Emily is probably your candidate. If you want somebody who's an outsider, I don't have political experience, but I don't have political baggage. I don't owe anybody anything. I feel like and would always put the people of the 17th district first before anybody else. If that's what you think we need, then take a closer look at me. But I just thought that with her record, she could run on her record of accomplishment and what she's doing. But it's turned out, Bill, as we move further and further uh, down the road here, that instead of focusing on that or uh, running on that or emphasizing what she has done, everything has been, a been, has been about Hermie's a bad person. Hermie spent money in a strip club, which is a lie. A total lie. Hermes sues small businesses, which is a lie. I'm supporting small businesses. Just all these things. And I got another one. Um, the last couple of days, I had a family, elderly couple. They actually had an Emily Brewer sign in the front yard when I got there. <laughs> uh, had a different kind of sign when I left. Oh, wow. Um, but they said... We're so glad you came here. And I'm like, well, thank you. Why? She says, because your opponent's people were here, not her, but her people were here, and they told us you were running as a Democrat. A what? A Democrat. And <laughs> I had one other gentleman say in the last couple of days, well, you know, what upsets me, according to what, you know, uh, Miss Brewer's team is saying, is that you're simply just forcing her to spend money Money that she doesn't have and money that she's going to need to fight the Democrats in November. Oh, like this is an entitled position that sure. she was entitled to. She just thought she would just walk across the hall and. Well, that's not how politics works. Even I didn't within, think it did. Within, the own, within our own party, it doesn't work that way. I mean, there's no such thing as anointed and appointed except in communist countries. We have free and fair elections. Well, mostly fair. Uh, and that's where we determine who our representative will be and who will go up against the Democrats. So now you're a Democrat and now you're in her way. Is that right? Now here's one I heard. I heard that she's been telling people just like that push poll that you were suing governor Yunkin to stop his agenda. I've heard that outside the push poll that they were reading to people online or they were reading people when they would call them up. Yeah. Uh, have you heard that too? Yeah. It's a, uh which is blatant, uh, which blatant, is poppycock, by the a way. blatant lie. Yeah, because nobody knows this better than you. Not only are you a sitting state senator, 
that is on the inside knowing what all these bills are and all the, the daily traffic of all that. But you're also my attorney. Yes. You are a sitting state senator, Republican, representing Franklin County, but you're also my attorney representing me. You and I filed a lawsuit against Democratic Governor Ralph Northam and Democratic Attorney General Mark Herring. We did. Over the signing of SB 971. SB 971, and you can explain this better than I can, was signed under pressure from the casinos as they came into Virginia. They wanted a monopoly on the gaming industry. And to get that, that would mean they would have to ban or shut down or take away revenue streams and opportunities and the constitutional rights of Virginia-based small businesses to benefit the casinos. Yeah. You and I decided that, you know what? Take skill games and put them aside for a moment. More importantly than that, this is an attack on the constitutional rights of small businesses. This is a attack against the free market system that all businesses should have equal opportunity to succeed. Yep. It's an attack on the free market system, meaning I never think the government should be telling me, you, or anybody else, where they're supposed to go spend their money right. on their free time. And this SB 971 did all of that. You and I filed a lawsuit. And by the way, and I told this couple the other day when they mentioned about, well, they tell us you're suing Governor Yunkin and, and uh, trying to hurt him from getting his agenda passed. I said a couple things. Wait, wait. Is his agenda hurting small business? Is that what he No, it's not. Glenn Yunkin is very, very pro small business, and very, very pro level playing field. Exactly. He has told you and I and our team that Same multiple thing. occasions. That's right. No, he's for scale games. He wants, he wants a solution that brings that level playing field. He's told everybody that. He urged the caucus in the House to, to go in that direction. Uh, you know, you've got, we've talked about the people before, you've got a couple of people out there that don't want to see that happen, maybe have made their decision that casinos are better than small businesses in Virginia in engaging in the gaming industry. And, you know, now you're holding up his agenda, which is ridiculous. But see, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're targeting low information. And what they're really doing is insulting the voter that we can just do a, a bumper sticker phrase, catch you on that. And you're going to totally believe us. We move along and see, we've salted that field. And now Hermie will never get a vote here at this house. Ha ha ha. And they yeah. walk on to the next one. Yeah. And the lies get bigger, they get bolder, they get more stupid. And what you're finding out is either the candidate or the candidate's people that that candidate hires are lying to the voter. They are. And if they're lying during a campaign, what are they going to do if they're elected? They're going to keep lying because you know what? It's what got them there. And that's really the disgusting part. And I know, you know, you're a, we never did this lawsuit for politics. Never. We did this for small business. We got angry. Uh, we said, man, we'll just do it ourselves. We're, we're not going to stand for this. It was two friends saying, you know, I'm a lawyer and, and you're a businessman and you have standing and you have an injury. Let's go fight this for the little guy. And that's how we started. No fanfare, no nothing. We went out on a very hot day, filed that lawsuit, and we pressed and we won. And we won more than once, three times already. And that case is still pending. But you never did that with any political ambition. We did that because we wanted this issue resolved and we knew it would be resolved in in the right way and constitutional way, which was against what those people in the House of Delegates, some people in the Appropriations Committee, 
some people in the Senate Finance Committee were kowtowing to casinos, and it wasn't fair. It was leaving out small business. So what my opponent's team, and you brought, you said a good word, insulting the voters by lying to them, telling them that Hermie is a Democrat. Insulting their intelligence. Even Hermie is a Democrat, and he is suing Glenn Youngkin as the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia to try to prevent him from getting his agenda passed. And the truth of the matter is, it's exactly the opposite. Correct. We sued Ralph Northam, a Democratic governor. And you know what? When I tell people this, they look at me like, what? Not a lobbyist, not a legislator, not an opinionist. The court, a circuit court judge and the Supreme Court of Virginia have ruled so far three times Mm -hmm. that this law that Ralph Northam and Mark Herring signed or Mark Herring and and the appropriations people in the House, including my opponent, they tried to rewrite this law. Right. And the Democrats in the Senate, they rewrite this law and stuck it in through the state budget to try to get it to pass to appease their out-of-state special interest and their campaign donators. It's three times the courts have ruled that that law is unconstitutional. In two variations. Remember, they rewrote it to try to get around what the judge said in the first iteration, SB 971. They stuck it in the budget. We've talked about it before. They wrote it a different way. I called it word spaghetti, and the and the judge looked at it again. We heard evidence, we made arguments, and he determined that that was unconstitutional as well. So it's not just, you know, a fluke. These are bad laws being written by people who may not have, may not, in my opinion, have our small businesses' best interests at heart. Maybe they are too wedded to the influence that is peddled by the out-of-state casino interests Maybe they are swayed by their arguments. Who knows? But ultimately, when you take a position like that uh, in support of banning skill games, you're taking a position against small business throughout the Commonwealth. Let me make a statement. And you, based on what you know, you tell me if this is a true statement or a false statement. Delegate Brewer, my opponent, as a part of House Appropriations, that group has gone along with or passed or tried to push through an unconstitutional piece of legislation that would benefit out-of-state special interest and hurt Virginia-based small business. In the budget, true. Okay. True. And did it ham-handedly where they waited to the last minute where the rest of the House of Delegates and, and Senators did not have time to consider the budget amendment specifically? We were told 48 hours before the budget came out, come on up to Richmond and we're going to vote on it. They couldn't pull it out. It was voting either up or down on that budget. And a lot of that budget, there were some good things about raises for teachers, raises for police officers, other spending priorities that localities had to have. So many of the senators and House of Delegate members that I talked to were furious because what they were doing in voting for the budget was also voting for yet another unconstitutional change to the criminal code of the Commonwealth of Virginia. They didn't like how it was handled. It's not democratic. It's not transparent. It doesn't allow the public to get involved so that you have to then say, well, what's the motivation? 
Well, the motivation is not to cure a problem in a court case because, you know, they say they stay away from court cases. Their problem was, is, man, we screwed up the first time. Let's try to sneak this in under the cover of darkness and we won't screw up the second time. And we're, we're playing to our paymasters here in making sure that they're the only game in town, that they have a monopoly. And to me, it is the worst thing about not just politics, but, you know, elected officials um, picking winners and losers. We've said that before. So these couple little things that we've talked about encompass really what motivated me to run in the first place. Right. Because my opponent and other people in appropriations, House and Senate, went to the back room without a the legislature or the full legislative body being able to argue or debate or discuss in committee or even vote. They decided we're going to slide this thing in through the state budget and take care of the people we said we were going to take care of. No one will know. They got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. I okay? mean, think about it this way. They created criminal codes that would have prosecuted small business owners if they defied that. And they made it so, uh, like I said, word spaghetti, so, you know, un, you couldn't even make heads or tails of what it meant that would have put a lot of people in that trap, would have harmed a lot of families throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. And, and just seemed like if they really believed that they should just let the court system work itself out, then what were they doing meddling? All right, but listen, it had to be for a reason. So looking at it from the outside looking in, like I've been before I got involved in, you know, the lawsuit going almost three years now, yeah, man. hard to believe. But also, the, so what I think is the most frustrating part is this deal with the skill game part. A small group of people decided with power that they were going to make the decision for everybody. And... Unfortunately, you and I and some others didn't go along with it. No. I go back. So fast forward. And and by the way, Hermie, that made you a threat. Sure. You weren't, you were no longer smiling Hermie Sadler on the billboards going down. Oh, I'm all kinds of names now. Uh, And you, you know, you were Virginia's favorite son for, for that. But when you call people out and when you fought against the establishment, when you fought against big business and, and in favor of small business, you became... An enemy All right. to but them. Fast forward to now. I f- formally announced back in November that I'm running for this Republican nomination. Mm-hmm. Through this whole process, call it what you want to. But so we talked about appropriations getting in together in the back room and calling a play that they're going to run for everybody. And everybody's just supposed to go along with it because we've got to take care of these out of state special interests because. They're powerful and they're rich and they're strong and they know what's better for Virginia than we do. And they're more important than the Virginia based small businesses. So that's what they tried to do. Fast forward to now, call it what you want to, but my opponent and the second congressional district and members of the Republican party went back to the back room again for this nomination process and said, we're going to have a little convention doesn't matter what state board of elections is certified. We'll make the rules. We're going to. We'll have, invite only certain people. Yeah. We're going to have a little convention over in the eastern part of the state. Right. It'd be cool. And we're going to put a gentleman in there that that's not anybody knows this, but donate it to Emily Brewer's campaign. Um, 
And so he can be in charge of the mass meetings and control of the, you know, uh, control of the convention, who votes and how many and all that. And so that's at least twice on different things that the powerful people try to steamroll who is supposed to be in charge and have a voice in all of this stuff, which is all the people, all the voters, all the constituents. And, you know, so now I'm going to knock on doors and, oh, you're a Democrat <laughs> and you're suing Glenn Youngkin. I mean, these people yeah. cannot tell the truth for nothing. And they, they have no shame because it's all about power, Hermie. Nothing. See, see you pose a threat. You know, I don't put up with, you know, this establishment crap. I never have. I've been there 13 sessions and I don't put up with it. That's why I get left out of a lot of meetings. But I don't care. I'm still a leader in the caucus. I still am putting down and writing down impactful pieces of legislation that have changed the lives of, of, of Virginians. And it should. That's what you're there for. We've had a lot of great successes. We fought a lot of battles. And I'm the first one that will stand up alongside just a few people in the Senate, like Mark Obenshane, Ryan McDougall, myself, Richard Stewart, senators, and, and uh, Dr. Donovan. She'll stand up. But other than that, everybody just sits there mostly. And we will point our fingers at the Democrats and the liberals from Northern Virginia, and we will fight them and not accept what they want to do to us. Too often, there are people that sit in those chairs, never give it up, never fight. They might vote the right way, but they're not out there fighting. And so... When they see if you are willing to fight for this lawsuit and fight for small business, you're not going to be a go along, get along kind of guy. You're going to be one of those that's going to stand up and say, I'm going to call right when I see right, and I'm going to call out wrong when I see wrong. And that's what worries them about you, man. You don't play along with the establishment because you've sued you know, Governor Northam. What else are you going to do? I don't play along with them because I've sued Governor Northam twice. I've sued him during the pandemic. I, I am not beholden to the job to think I have to play along with these people so they get what they want. And occasionally they turn and say, here's some crumbs for the people you serve. That's what's wrong with government. So people like you getting in there, even fighting, win or lose, that makes me have more faith in society and where we're going as a government, as a people, because at least there are people now that are showing the courage to step forward and saying, look, I'm not going to put up with this, this hamster wheel of the way it's running right now. I'm going to make a difference. You're one of those there's a bunch of them that are running this year. I'm really kind of excited about on the Republican side, a bunch of Republicans in the House and Senate who are like that. And you know what? If you get too big a crowd of them, then those in the positions of power, remember we talk about the pyramid of politics and the pyramid of government, those in the position of power are at the tip. So it's a very small space with very few people. Then the foundation underneath them is rocky. It is unstable and they may fall and they don't want that. They, they have worked hard for their position in the, in the nest. And so if someone uh, poses a threat to that, then guess what? They're going to they're gonna call you everything but a human being. You know, um, because they want that power. They want I that know, election. It doesn't matter what the people want because it's what I want and what I want I'm going to get. I have different life experiences, look at things a different way, whatever the case, whatever you want to call it. But I tell people when I knock doors or when I talk to them on the phone or whatever, I say, listen. I know that it's important before you vote that you know where the candidates stand on the important issues like second amendment, like indoctrination of our kids, like support for law enforcement, like trans rights over everybody else, trans rights. Right. I know it's important that you know where the candidates stand on those particular issues, 
But for me, it goes one step further than that. For me, it boils down to where's your heart at? And when you have a chance, when when you go knock on the doors and you ask people for the vote and you tell them exactly what they want to hear on where you stand on everything, but when you get a chance to actually do something good with your power, right. do you do the right thing? Yeah. And so I can sit here and say, Delegate Brewer, right, wrong, or indifferent, on multiple occasions, despite the fact in this part of Virginia, our small businesses are the backbone of our economies and the livelihoods of so many people across this district. On multiple occasions, she chose out-of-state special interest over Virginia-based small businesses. Yeah. More than one time. Yeah. So why? Okay. She had a chance, the last part of this last session, Bill, you were involved in this, Yep. to step up and help the robotics program at Southampton at Franklin High School. Yes. All she had to do was do what she said she was going to do last year at the state fair when she got with all these kids and the robotics sponsors at the Southampton County Fair. She took a picture with all these students from Franklin High School robotics team and said, as your delegate, I can't wait to support you realizing your dreams. Yeah, they would have had a scholarship that would have paid for the machines and $10, probably $10,000 scholarship would have gone to Franklin High School Robotics Team as a part of a piece of legislation you were involved in. I, I, one I wrote. And she had a chance to help the students at a high school in her district. And in my opinion, you can add to it, she chose the politics over doing the right thing for the kids. So that goes back to what That's I'm saying. That's not opinion, is. buddy. That's fact. Okay. What I'm saying is. It was in the budget. All they had to do was bless it. It even got blessed by the Democrat-controlled Senate Finance Committee. It had gotten through all the subcommittees, not a negative vote. And then there it was. They killed it. And they killed it because my name was on it. And I'm affiliated with you. Yeah. And so she chose herself over the kids. And it seems to me that that always seems to be bigger picture items for those people in the establishment, which is, oh, it's about me first. You know, these are rules for thee and not for me. They don't apply to me. And, and that was really sad because, and petty and small, because I didn't think they needed to punish the kids in order to make a point. I got your point. I know you don't like me. I don't care. I don't care. But you know what? You should care about the children. And what they say is, I care about my own self and getting revenge than caring about children. Yeah. And we're seeing, quite frankly, you know, that's going on a lot in politics and, and even with her. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. 
Our locations include Saddle Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at exit 12. The Saddle Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on exit 11B off I-95. And Saddle Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina. That's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers. And Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. When I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure that we treat every client like family because they are to us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer, and he hates lawyers. So give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. That's www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure we're the lawyers that you swear by and not at. You know, there's a couple other issues I mean, we should just bring up, if you don't mind. One of my bills, Senate Bill 1515, you and I worked on. I talked to you about it. It was making sure that we prevented children under the age of 18 from accessing pornography on the internet. And I put it in with no fanfare. You know, I figured either the Democrats were going to try to kill it, and if they're going to kill it, I was going to call them out on it, or, they'd, or we'd pass it. It's a bill that got out of the Senate. We've talked about it before. Basically, uh, is protecting our children from themselves on the internet, which we need to do. I think it's our responsibility. It's the same as putting a cover over a penthouse magazine at Barnes and Noble and not letting an 11 year old buy it. Uh, but we somehow, and the Democrats somehow believe that it's the wild, wild west of the internet. Well, we just had last week, two Democrat lawmakers here in the Commonwealth of Virginia were caught on a hot mic. They were talking what they thought was to meet and greet Democrats. And instead there was what they call a tracker in there who was recording their off the cuff remarks. And so, and this is on the uh, Fox news, of course, came out and then there's video and audio, and we're going to play this in just a second. But two Democrat lawmakers in Virginia were caught on a hot mic last week, mocking parental rights as garbage, crap, and quote, stupid, according to two recordings posted on social media by the Republican state leadership committee on the recordings, which were taken at a Friday meet and greet at Christopher Newport university. State Senator Monty Mason and State Delegate Shelley Simons can be heard ripping Republicans over SB 1515, my bill, a bill that required pornography websites to verify a user's age to be at least 18 years old before allowing access to its content. They also slammed an amendment, which Governor Youngkin had put on, that would have required children to get permission from parents to set up social media accounts and use websites that collect their user, da user data, such as online shopping sites. <coughs> These two numbnuts voted for SB 1515. Monty Mason voted for it in the Senate. Uh, Shelly Simons voted for it in the House. It passed overwhelmingly. And so they kept quiet, but they could not help themselves. Their true feelings came bubbling to the top. Once 
they were out of earshot and they thought the rest of Virginia wasn't listening. And what they said was that this parent right garbage, the parental rights garbage is crap. And this bill is stupid. And so, I mean, I mean, Monty's exact words were, well, there are three real bills that were of consequence. The hemp bill, the offshore wind adjustment that we ended up, he said, laying on the table, not even discussing. And then the, the, the online parental garbage on pornography bill, Mason said. So protecting your children from pornography, which has such detrimental effects to their, to their raising, to their mental health, is garbage and crap. And once again, we're seeing that really they, parents aren't in charge. The government's in charge, according to the Democrats. Yeah. And so, you know, I listened to that and I know Monty. And I, Who do you, you think know, they were trying to impress kindly, by making those comments? Obviously liberal Democrats, but I don't know what parent would find that to be appropriate. I, I don't get Liberal it. or conservative. So here, let's play these two clips right now and give a listen and, and listen to Monty Mason and Shelley Simons basically say, that parental rights are crap and garbage, and especially my bill protecting children. Well, there are three real bills that were of consequence. The hemp bill, the offshore wind adjustment that we ended up thinking about today, not even discussing, and the, um, the one he slapped that uh, online parental garbage on the pornography bill. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I worked in Visa for bunch of years in e-commerce authentication and fraud risk. Right? And so my job is to try to figure out that you're who you say you are when you're shopping online. And Monty Mason, weird name, right? That's easy. Well, there's a Monty Mason painter in, in the town I live in. And my name is really Taylor Montgomery Mason. So my credit card says oh. Taylor M. Mason. So it, it ain't so easy, right? Well, Yunkin had a bill that said that you need, if you're under 18, you need to have parental consent to engage in websites or shop online. Well, there's no mechanism. I mean, y'all bought online, a bunch of stuff online, right? Yeah. You ever seen a mechanism to ask how old you are? No. Sometimes it's like a little check. They're like a check in a box. And in fact, the product I sold trying to authenticate you was an extra step in the shopping process and merchants hate it. Because the whole concept is to get you through the shopping cart seamlessly, oh, efficiently, and you get by, right? Yeah. So there's no extra step to confirm you're over 18. And if you aren't, the bill says you have to have parental consent. Well, what, do you send in a letter? I mean, it's just stupid. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, it's, Unbelievable. can you believe it? I mean, those of us that are fortunate enough to have kids you would think would be applauding actions by, in this case, you as a state legislator trying to give parents a little more peace of mind when their kids are on the computer, on their phones, other places, because that's, look, it's 2023. I get it. Well, I got I to gotta guess that uh, Monty Mason probably hides his pornography DVDs from his kids. So they can't find him in his room. But that's just, that's just, I mean, so, but he doesn't think we as a society should. Has he ever told you, has he ever talked to you in person about this legislation? No. Um, He's very mocking, you know, kind of sarcastic. Uh, Hopefully if you're, if you're elected, you'll find that out. Or he doesn't get reelected after stupidity like this. And 
you know, he's kind of like, I don't know. He's like Monty Hall, you know, more game show host, very intelligent, but more game show host than he is um, maybe a deep thinker. And so I think he, he, again, he had to vote for it, obviously, because he would have been embarrassed voting against keeping pornography from young men and women so that they can be raised right and not have these influences affecting them with, you know, body shaming issues, mental health issues. Uh, one in 10 of children under the age of 10 have accessed pornography on the internet. I mean, it's a real epidemic and, but he just doesn't see that because, you know, kids should be free. They should be free of their parents. They should be free of almost any influences other than parents the government. should be on strictly a need to know basis. And you know, you know, this kind of reminds me of, you know, I have the honor and privilege of representing the Smith family. Uh, up in Loudoun County, their daughter was brutally attacked in a bathroom at a public school because Loudoun County public schools were trying to push a narrative and a policy, a political policy of what they would call inclusiveness, which allowed boys who identified as girls to go into women's bathrooms at the schools. That day, the attacker was wearing a dress. He, he was fluid in his gender, according to him. So some days he felt like a guy and some days he felt like a girl went in there, brutally attacked her. He could walk into that bathroom because he was wearing a skirt. You know, these are important issues that this is what started the parental uprising and saying, we want our children back. We are going to dictate how we raise those children. And these trans policies are really dangerous. And especially when you were more worried about political correctness than the safety and security of your own students as a governing body, as counties are, that run these public schools. Why should any entity think that they have more knowledge or right to control the lives of somebody's kids than the parents? Because as government grows, it's the most powerful thing on the universe and on the planet. That's what it wants to be. And this, the parent stands in the way between the government and the government's indoctrination because it wants a compliant body that it governs and lords over. So if they can indoctrinate the children and get them thinking all uniformly in one way, then they're easier to control when they get older and they don't pose a threat to the government. The government wants compliance. And it's the same way when they take away your freedom and power and they say, here, here's some security in, in exchange. The government wants that because the government wants to be all powerful over the people so it doesn't have an uprising or anyone challenges what the government does. We all just go along like lemmings and that's what we have. But you know, we've had that actual issue pop up in your campaign, haven't you? <laughs> we we <laughs> I have. Know you didn't anticipate talking about this, but you know, I was just thinking about this. Your opponent has quite a different view and, and uh, than what I have in terms of, look, I think transing the kids, sexualizing the kids, Grooming the children is absolutely the one of the worst thing that adults can ever do. And we're seeing this now with, with some states passing laws that don't allow children to have that transgender surgery until after the age of 18, after they're adults, yeah. that you don't have these parents transing the kids like von Munchausen syndrome, and that we actually protect our children from all of this, bathrooms and all those things. In fact, in North Carolina, you remember HB2, right? HB2, yeah. HB2, which was a, a law that said biological men use the men's room, biological females use the ladies' room. Mm -hmm. And you can sit there and say, hey, look at me, I'm a chick, and you can't use the ladies' bathroom if you're a dude. 
If you got the outdoor plumbing, you go to the men's room. I don't right. care what kind of skirt you're wearing or what kind of should be simple enough. Well, you would think, you know, and it's and it we see it in sports too, Hermie. And you, you know, you were big into athletics. You've got your daughters that were big into athletics. You see all these trans men or trans women. I'm sorry, dudes that now say that they're women competing in women's, women's sports, sports and yeah. demanding it. Yeah. How many women that are now trans men are competing in men's sports? It seems like these trans men, trans women, sorry, I can't even get it straight. These dudes with skirts are mocking women, yeah. are actually taking away some of their rights and the freedoms that they fought for and really ruining Title IX, which, which always is a federal law, protects women in sports and the equality of women in sports. And here we have celebrating some of the community on the left, celebrating this trans movement, the Dylan Mulvaney on the Budweiser, on the Bud Light, and, uh, and, and say that a dude that wears a dress and thinks his name is Gail can compete in women's sports. Right. I mean, what, what's your thought on that? I, I just don't even understand why we have to be having these conversations, uh, fundamentally speaking. You know, I don't really care what people do with their lives. When it becomes a problem for me is when what they decide to do with their lives affects other people's lives. Right. So when you've got, to use your term, a dude with a skirt that decides he's going to compete in women's sports, that's when he's affecting or other people's kids and livelihoods and things of that nature. So, yeah, Like Leah Thomas, the trans yeah, swimmer. Yeah. I don't. You cannot. I mean, he's like 500, ranked 500th in swimming as a man. Man, yeah. When he crosses over, he's a chick with a stick. He starts swimming. He, what is NCAA champion and woman of the year, according to what uh, ESPN or Sports Illustration? But you like get that? what I'm I mean, saying? What it's like, do what you want, but you cannot infringe on other people. That's right. You want to wear a dress, wear a dress. But that doesn't make you a woman for purposes of competing in sports or allowing you into a woman's bathroom or a woman's yeah. locker room. I don't think so. But you know what? This is an issue that I think your opponent has well, opined well, on. Well, let me ask you, you a know? question. Sure. If you were to hear Delegate Brewer now running for the Republican nomination for the Senate District 17 in Virginia. Mm -hmm. If she were to be asked her opinion on this issue, what do you think she would say? Well, I, if she's a good rock-ribbed Republican, tested conservative, I think. Uh, battle-tested. Battle the only battle-tested. And she is absolutely for HB2, which is keeping women in women's bathrooms and men in men's bathrooms. She's absolutely against um, transsexuals, trans men competing in women's sports. Uh, she would be for protecting our children in the bathrooms uh, to make sure that something that's so awful happened to my client's daughter would never happen to anybody else's daughter ever again in the future. I would have to say that would be her stance. Am I right? Would you like to hear a clip of Delegate Brewer speaking recently on her podcast? So you're saying perhaps I'm on not this right. issue. Okay. Would you like to hear this? Absolutely. This is Emily Brewer on her podcast that we've clipped off and will be. Uh, playing this feature on other social media platforms, but you get a first listen to it right here. This is Emily Brewer. I, I just wrote something on a blog post about this the other day, about the whole bathroom issue, this HB2 nonsense. And so, like, 
I just feel like, and, and I'm going to be very basic on this, is the, the bill is just ridiculous. First of all, by the time that someone is getting to a bathroom change, uh, changing bathrooms, at that point, you're probably not going to know the difference anyway, so it's a moot point. I think that common sense still rules the day, so the fact that we actually have to legislate bathroom choice is absolutely... What? There's your battle-tested so, conservative. Okay, so you got to uncheck the box where I said she would be trying to protect the family of the daughter who got brutally attacked by a dude wearing a skirt. Um, I guess you're supposed to just turn your head because if your bathroom changing, as she said... You wouldn't know anyway. Wouldn't by, know by anyway. the time they got to the stall, what difference would it make? I mean, that's unbelievable. This is your battle-tested conservative that is asking the people to give her a promotion... From the House to the Senate. I mean, look, as a father, I believe if any of that is allowed, my son or my daughter's at risk. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, common sense, my butt. Um, don't tell me it doesn't happen. We've seen it happen. Uh, and we're blurring the line between men and women to the, to the point that we're degrading women. I mean, there's this Dylan Mulvaney dude. I mean, he, he is now... A woman, according to him, he's getting all of these advertisements, Bud Light, Maybelline, whatever it is. And, and if you see him, have you seen him? Have yes. you seen him? There? He's prancing around like a 13-year-old girl. I mean, mocking almost what a woman is and what women stand for. It, to me, and I know my wife, Laura, thinks the same way, it shows such a lack of respect and such disdain for the feminine form uh, that, you know, He's basically, as I guess he's like 30 years old, he's basically acting like he's a 13-year-old girl at a slumber party. Over and over and over, what you're seeing is this grooming of children through stuff like this, whether it's drag shows for kids in elementary school. Uh, have you not seen a lot of these news reports where you're seeing teacher after teacher is having sex with their students and their underage students? I mean, that's more prevalent than we went to school. I've we never heard of that crap. Now you're seeing you know, basically removing any protections of children from those adult matters. You know, they, they should have books in there that teach them about lesbianism when they're three or four years old or five years old. They should have a coloring book that teaches them about uh, transsexuals and, and drag show queens. Come on. I mean, this is absolutely in my mind, and this is my opinion, Hermie, and I'm going to say it right now, because I represent not the greatest people in society in my criminal defense practice. The next thing they're going to say is because they've all been saying, you know, you love who you love, right? You love who you like. Can't help who you love. Well, now it's going to be saying pedophilia is not pedophilia. You love who you love. And if I love a four-year-old girl and I defile her, well, that's not a crime because I love who I love. That is ridiculous. And that's where I see ourselves going. And you want to talk about a total breakdown of society at that point in time? Because when you break down the parent and you break down the rules and you break down the gender identities, the, the difference between a man and a woman, and, and celebrate those differences, then you're really trying to, to undermine society. And I want to make sure I'm clear. I personally do not care what Emily Brewer thinks about anything. It's not my business. What I care about is, and you said, to, said it a little while ago, her and her team are misleading, lying, I'm saying it, not you, insulting 
the voters of this district because she wants them to think that she's something other than what she is actually saying that she is. Or that she would carry HB2's version in Virginia. Right. She would stand up for parents' right. rights. She'd stand up for women. She'd stand up for children. She'd go to protect them. And instead, she's saying, I don't see what the big deal is. Yep. Some dude walks into a, a woman's locker room and starts taking mm-hmm. off his pants. That's That used to be a felony. Now so it's now, just, you know, an so influencer now you from see why Google. they keep saying Hermie's suing Glenn Youngkin. Hermie went to a strip club. Hermie's suing all these small business people. Hermie this. Her- they are deflecting yeah. attention away from really and truly, not in Hermie's words, not in Senator Stanley's words, not in anybody else's words other than her own. Shocking. How she truly feels about issues that, as I said before, I don't care what she thinks about and, and this these is type of issues. her on a hot mic talking to meet and greet supporters. I guess she'd have to be this talking to Democrats. her podcast. This is a recording for the public. Right. In the same way that you and I talk, right. we put it out there. You got to stand so behind So what I'm words. saying is, and it's a frustrating thing with politicians, not all, but certainly it is with Delegate Brewer. She is trying now that she has an opponent in this nomination contest, and she knows that she needs to be as conservative looking as she possibly can. She's bearing these turds in the cat box real fast. Isn't she's, she? I mean, <laughs> but oh so my. she's she's going to people, in a lot of cases, elderly people that I'm running into, talking to, and just telling one lie about me after the next. Not only about what I believe and what I am and who I am, but my lawsuit and what I stand for and what I'm running on and yeah. all that. Lying to these people. When now we know why she's doing all that, because she's trying to take focus and attention away from what she is built. You don't need to take sides. Not asking you to. She is telling us how she feels. Yeah. And so you should believe it the first time you hear it and not the other. And, you know, this is a pretty good leading right moment, uh, but it's one that makes you stop and think, are you going to be true to your word or are you being true to your word? Right. Are you going to say one thing and do another? I go back to what I said a little or while at least, ago. At least as a voter. Okay, that's where you say it. I'm going to make my choices based on that. What It's like, you know, when a cat buries a cat turd in the sandbox. It's because they don't want it to be seen. But the turd's still there. And this turd right here that I just heard is still there. And it's pretty shocking and disappointing. I never thought any single Republican that serves in the House of Delegates or the Senate would think that way. And quite frankly, if you polled them, none of them would say that that's acceptable or right. So how come it's right over here? How come it's right in this district? Or just forget what I said. I promise I'll be better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 have well, a Bill, I heard all the talks. I heard all the talks from a lot of people that I have a great deal of respect for that are in politics, conservatives in the Republican Party. And they said, Hermie, Let's make sure that this primary process is a positive intra-squad scrimmage between you and Delegate Brewer so that the best person can move forward to the general election with momentum to defeat the Democrats in November. And I had every intention of trying to run that way because I really, truly feel like... Well, quite frankly, you don't know any better. (laughs) You really and truly feel like 
people in this part of Virginia are fed up with politics. Right. They're disenchanted with politics. They're tired of having out-of-state special interest and other things come before their own needs, yeah. their own focus on our schools, our law enforcement, our small businesses. You know, we're always we're always ones, especially in the Republican look, Party, that say we do thing. things different. Yeah. And you, I think, maybe not on purpose, but said it a little while ago. Do we think Emily Brewer, after saying this, and now what she wants us to believe, that she's going to go into the Senate and and tell people the truth all of a sudden? No. So it's no. just And quite frankly, really she's going to follow in lockstep with whoever the leadership is because she's going to try to claw her way to the top. I mean, that's what it says to me. I, my, you know, like some of these kids say they're gender fluid. She is principal fluid because it could change every single day, in my opinion, based on what I just heard there. And, and to me, but, as a parent, I am just, <clears throat> I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm mad about it. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. But, you know, you and I have had not probably many talks on the podcast, but in private conversation, you know, Emily's, I have purposely since the beginning chosen not to accept endorsements right. from you said that from the very legis legislators yeah i choose to i want to be um accountable to the people that are going to vote on june 20th and again in november i've been seeing on your facebook page where regular folk are endorsing you and they give a little burb. They've got a yeah. picture maybe with their spouse. Yeah. And they talk about why they're voting for you, why they yeah. like you, or why they trust you. That's brilliant. Yeah. And that's and that's that's what matters. But I've had I've had sheriffs, commonwealth attorneys, people in local government, even some people that ran for governor and other offices in the past that have called me about wanting to endorse me. And I've politely said, for right now. All my focus is on the people. But I say that because Emily is constantly touting endorsements that she's getting from local level government officials, Speaker of the House, even some other people high up in the Republican Party. How do you think they're going to feel when they hear that side of Emily Brewer? Maybe that they were not aware of. Well, not so good. I mean, especially some of the other things that we put on the air here. Um, that's not consistent with, I think any of our elected officials at the state level. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a position anybody would want to take who's running for office. Um, and, and quite frankly, if I had that belief then I would not be a set, a state center because I would be, if that's my principle, then I'm representing people that don't share in that principle. So I shouldn't be there. Uh, you have to reflect the area that you represent. And this is a very conservative part of Virginia. Now, if she was coming out of Arlington, I'd say, wow, that sounds like an Arlington Democrat. She's coming out of Philadelphia. It sounds like a Philadelphia Democrat. But this does not sound like somebody who holds the values that we hold so dear mm -hmm. as dear, especially if it's politically expedient to say one thing and do another. And that's the most frustrating thing so far about this whole process is a politician trying to repackage and or re-present herself to today's voters right. needing a conservative vote, trying to make them think or believe that she is something that obviously she is not. You know, I, I want to, 
you know, it's kind of like a, a dichotomy here. It's a contrast. You reaffirm my belief in politics at the grassroots level, politics that is a citizen who stands up for, for others, who becomes a leader, not politics from the top down. And this is politics from the top down, or I say one thing and, and do another, as I said earlier. I, it's, it's alarming. And the question is, uh, will the people be snookered? Will the wool be pulled over their eyes? And they'll say, oh, she'll say, I oh, don't worry about that. I, I, was, I was drinking. I was doing something that night. Oh, I didn't mean it. I was just talking to my liberal friends. No, man. This is a statement, an affirmative statement, that she doesn't know what all the fuss is about, about keeping the genders separate in terms of identity, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And we should protect our children from that as well. Uh, I'm, I'm just disturbed, brother. Hmm. Well. Well, I just don't think that people should be. Look, I want to win this yeah. election because I think the people of the 17th century, 100 miles an hour going left, turning left. Of course I you wanted to win. I think the people in this district need, want and deserve better leadership than what we've had. Right. That's why I'm running. I'm not running because. I'm using this as a stepping stone to try to get to the next office. I'm not using this as a stepping stone to go along, to get along with committee chairs and all these outside uh, influences in, in government. And so really, Bill, I mean, that's really what it boils down to that I hope people, and this is what I say when I try to simplify things, because my opponent, when they go knock on doors, are throwing so much trash at me and to the voters to try to confuse them. I just say, hey, if you think a career politician is going to fix the problems of the 17th district and make us a priority, there you are. Yeah. If you think it's time that somebody came in from the outside, an outsider that is going to always put the people first because – our communities in this part of Virginia, much like yours, be in a lot of ways, we've just been left behind on purpose. Well, you I've know, seen you multiple times have to stand up on the floor of the Senate and remind people, beg, plead, bar, and steal to tell them, for instance, how bad the schools are yeah. in your part of the state. Yeah. And they, they just laugh and joke and pull this and push that we ain't gonna do this ain't gonna do that and to achieve other goals for themselves they oftentimes cloud the issue so that the oh, yeah. people in the, the the voters of the districts don't really and truly understand well think about it this way i mean loudon liberals fairfax liberals they all have shiny schools that they send their kids to in public school systems up there uh they don't care about the, the young African-American in the inner city uh, going to a dilapidated school, receiving a substandard education because they're not in a good facility and the teachers don't have the tools in the toolbox to teach them. They sit there and go, huh, let them eat cake. But they're the party supposedly that cares about humankind, that cares about trying to uh, address poverty issues. But they say, oh, no, no, you know, they're the ones that live in the gated communities. Yep. They're the ones that turn criminals loose in inner cities and they call it equity. 
But instead, as long as it doesn't come to their neighborhood, they don't care what they're doing. And that is really the shame. And, and it, you know, when you think about the comments that you just played and we're talking about Democrats, the comments that I just heard about trans bathrooms and, and men going into women's bathrooms by your opponent, I mean, that should be coming out of Clint Jenkins, the Democrat's mouth. That sounds like something that would come from the liberals in Northern Virginia, not from down here, not from a Republican. And so I'm, you know, I, I think, look, people are going to make a decision. They're going to either vote for you or vote for her or not come out and vote at all because they've been so turned off by the process. And whoever wins this nomination really, 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 in order to put common sense back in the Commonwealth, really has to win this race. And it's going to decide the future of the Senate and the majority. We're hanging on by a thread of the majority in the House. <laughs> We've lost one already because... Uh, your opponent has decided to run in the Senate. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. But if you're out there sounding like a Democrat, then there's no distinction. Then the Democrat's going to win. I can't help what my opponent and her team says to potential voters. But I'll say this one more time. I sued Ralph Northam, a Democrat governor, because they were choosing out-of-state special interest over the constitutional rights of Virginia-based small businesses. Yep. And if elected... I could vouch for that. If elected, and I told the governor's office this as late as last week when I had a phone call with him, I said, I plan to be a team player. If I get elected, I will do my part to represent the people of this district and to help get the governor's good agenda passed for the betterment of the people of the 17th district. And that's as plain as you and can say it. And that's plain and simple as I know how to make yeah. it. Yeah. So what's what's coming up in the, uh, you know, we're following your journey. We're, we're, you know, cataloging it here on the podcast. We think it's interesting because we started this podcast. You had no intention of running. Uh, this podcast was kind of built around our skill game lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Now you're in the midst of a primary fight, looking towards primary coming in June. Early voting starts in what, a week? So it's May 5th. May 5th. So, so Friday. What in the Hermie Sadler for State Senate camp? What 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 are we looking forward to in the next week or two? Well, uh, we've got uh, a few more events coming up. We're, um, you know, this is festival season, so it I, starts I, now. I've uh, I've got my name down on lots of. I went last week over to Isle of White to the uh, pig picking. They had a big pig picking yeah. uh, over in Isle of White, like a golf tournament to a charity golf tournament. Shake no, I did that in, in uh, Suffolk last Sunday. Okay. That was the Hog Farmers Charitable Foundation. Um, they raised money for pediatric cancer. Wow! And I went. I didn't. I didn't play golf, Bill. I didn't take a day off. I went. We set up a booth uh, on hole number sixteen, and I talked to every foursome that came through about. That's a pretty good idea. Why I'm running and took pictures with a bunch of. Them. I don't think I've ever done that. That's All a that. good idea. So instead of playing and only communicating with my foursome, I set up. I set up a booth on tee box on number sixteen and met it. 144 players came through there. How was the support? Good. Uh, great. Yeah, great. Great. So um, then I, had, I did the pig picking over in Isle of Wight. Uh, we got a, a shrimp festival coming up in Brunswick County, uh, coming up pretty soon. And, and lots of festivals, events, parades, yep. Yep. Uh, those kind of things. But the biggest thing I'm focused, focused on between now and June 20th is just personally knocking as many doors as I possibly can. That's going to be the difference. That's going to be the touch, the personal I mean, touch. Really the, the, the fairs and the festivals yeah. are important, but, but you meet people in a snapshot compared to when you go up to the yeah, door. And I don't think I don't house. think there's any anything that can actually replace me 
as the candidate going up, knocking on the door and answering Are you uh, following up questions? with like letters and phone calls and All stuff with the people yeah. you meet? Yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. And that's, listen, shoe leather. That's the grassroots way of winning a, a primary, a nominating contest. That's a way to win a general. And quite frankly, um, you know, people, if they have questions about you, as you said even earlier, they can ask you. Yep. And you're going to tell them the truth. You're right there. They're not left with the impression of the teenager from college who knocked on the door and said, vote for Brewer. And by the way, uh, Hermie has horns and a tail. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, so that's a really good I don't thing. think there's any doubt, Bill, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but if I give the people of the 17th district a lot of credit, I think they're too smart for what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I think if they truly learn the truth about who I am and why I'm running. Right. And what you stand for. And what I stand for. And if they learn the same things about my opponent, I think they'll vote for me. Well, just based on that recording you played, there's a, there's a definite contrast just in that. But pile it up on the I'm pro-life to a degree. Yep. Um, I will never vote for Donald Trump. Um, Could never bring myself to vote for Donald Trump. Right. And then she showed support said, for Barack Obama's universal background checks for right. guns. And then said, I think environmental, if you don't believe in global warming, you're an you're idiot. idiot. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's kind and, of condescending too, talking down to people. Called for censoring people online, making statements online. She wanted to stand up for censorship. She um, She advocated. For, you know, a lot of small businesses at the onset of COVID, people tried to come in and decide what was an essential business and what was not. To me, every business is essential. Everybody's small business is essential. But there was a time when the governor was trying to shut down what they viewed as non-essential businesses and only a certain amount of people could come inside of restaurants and this and that and the other. And she voiced her approval for that. So, wow, I was fighting that. I was fighting to keep all gym, gymnasiums, gyms open. Uh, sued Governor Northam, uh, got a bad judge, and they didn't go my way, but we were willing to fight. Does she have a problem with me for that? Am I non-patriotic for that? I mean, you know, it sounds like to me that she should be hanging out with Monty Moron and Shelly Simon Says Fail, uh, the ones that called my SB 1515 garbage, then hang out with the conservatives in the Senate Republican caucus. It's, it's, I'm still just blown away by that, brother. Well, I have learned that politics during campaigns, and in your case, when people think they're speaking to a private group, politics brings out people's true colors. Yeah. Yeah. And at least people are getting, hopefully, a good view to see the contrast between you and her. And they can make their own decision. They can vote for her. They can vote for you. So. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. What we're going to do this week, because we we were so busy last week, is we're going to wrap up this conversation now. Uh, but what we're really going to get into is uh, later in the week, we're going to re-release our first, our first interview with none other than Elliot Sadler. It was a hilarious interview. We didn't interview. quite finish with him. No. And, and so what we were supposed to do today was I was supposed to be in court all day. I was going to show up this evening, and we were going to tape with Elliot and Shep and you and myself. You talking about... Shep Moss. And Shep Moss, if you haven't guessed already, he's either really quiet or he isn't here today. He's not here today. But what we'll do is um, we'll release later in the week, this week, that 
uh, interview with Elliot Sadler. We'll do a wraparound a little bit with it. And then next week, I'm going to come back here to Emporia, and we're going to sit down with Shep Mouse. Shep Mouse? And you and your brother. And we're gonna we're just gonna talk everything. Shep is back in the states. You know he's is he again? been on multiple vacations. Yeah, but he's back in the states. And okay. uh, I of you got to get is. your people in touch with his people. Yeah, I thought he was maybe stuck in Baltimore again. He's got people now. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. He's got multiple layers of people. Yeah. He's he's constantly on me. When we tape, when we tape, and I tell him when we tape, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't make it. But Busy we're gonna man. make sure it's the four of us sitting down. We're going to have a wide open conversation about growing up Sadler. Yep. We're going to finish or pick up where we left off um, with, uh, I guess we left off right there at his win in Bristol, right? Yeah. We, we got a lot, lot to and cover. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, so uh, you guys, we're going to launch this one earlier on the week. Later in the week, we'll do, we'll do the uh, first Elliot Sadler uh, recording, which was our first year in Podcastville. And then next week we'll have you and Elliot and Shep and myself, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll finish it out. Absolutely. It's always good to see you, my brother. Good to see you. And uh, I mean, appreciate all the support. We've had a lot of support oh, yeah. uh, on this podcast with Saddle Stanley Racing. we got a couple weeks off uh, from the racetrack. Our guys are going to test this week, though, to get ready for Franklin County. Oh, good. Racing right there in, uh, in your part of the state. So uh, look forward to that. We won that race last year. We did. So we've got to uh, go back and uh, catch another checkup flag with that. I'm, but we're going to have we're going to have Bobby and Ryan, right? By the way, both drivers were announced as Can you believe two that? of the 75 greatest drivers in the history of NASCAR, and they both drive for us. You know, somebody sent a message uh, to SSR, Sadler Stanley Racing, the SSR uh, page at the Facebook, and they said, how many modified teams have two drivers currently driving for them that are the top 75 all-time greats in NASCAR? And uh, when I thought about it for a second, I thought, man, that is pretty special. Pretty cool. And we got them. And we got they're, them. they're such great guys. And so they're going to be at Franklin County Speedway the 25th, 26th. Yeah, last weekend of, of May. May. Yep. And that's a Friday night. So we'll talk a lot about it coming up. We'll talk a lot about it in next And I'm coming show. to that race at Franklin County this year. I didn't get to go yep. last year, but this race is a Friday night, and I will be there. Awesome. I'll show you around Franklin County. There's nothing All like it. There's nothing <laughs> like Calorie, buddy. All of it. Have you ever been to Franklin County Speedway? I have. Did you race there? Oh, no, no. Never been to the Speedway, no. Oh, okay. It's something. Yeah. It is one of a kind. And uh, the owner is, Whitey is an incredible, interesting character. But I'm telling you, people come to it, it doesn't look like much, but racers want to race on it, and it's always exciting racing. So looking forward to having you in, uh, in the home court of Franklin County. Yeah, look forward weeks. to that. Thanks again for all the support. We're moving along with our campaign. Early voting starts May 5th. Primary voting is June 20th. And the website, if you want to find out more information about how to vote, if you want to vote early or request an absentee ballot, all the information related to voting is at Sadler4Virginia.com. There you go, Hermie. Well done. Nicely wrapped up. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I'm leaning right, hanging out with my boy, Hermie. And I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left, leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. As always, thank you for your support, and we'll talk to you again next week. God bless you all. MLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Tax season is here, which means you've received or are expecting that tax refund any day now, and you're thinking about what to spend it on. How about a new home? With SaveWithConrad.com, we're helping renters become homeowners every single day, and it's more affordable than you think. You don't need perfect credit, you don't need a huge down payment. 
In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. At SaveWithConrad.com, we take the stress out of the home buying process. We'll determine your buying power. We'll even help you find a realtor. And unlike the banks, we don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. So if you're not ready right now, we'll get you on a plan to be ready. Stop throwing your money away, paying someone else's mortgage with your rent and start the path towards owning your own home today at SaveWithConrad.com.